Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, and my guest today is Claude Silver. Claude is VaynerX's Chief Heart Officer, or CHO, the capstone of a career focused on guiding client relationships, global brand strategies, operations, and management. Claude's passion is facilitating growth and change in people, teams, and companies. She is dedicated to helping people find meaning in what they are doing and guiding colleagues in how to identify and remove roadblocks. Claude has a successful track record of hiring great talent and leading global teams of people expert in solving complex client challenges with digital innovation, simplicity, and passion. At VaynerX, Claude cultivates the heart of the agency's success, its people. 800-plus people, that is, with a purview that includes staff relations, development, recruitment, and retention. Each practice is underscored by Claude's drive to unlock the inner professional potential of every VaynerX employee. We're going to learn a lot more about Claude, her work at VaynerX, what brought her to the position of CHO, and about her wake-up call in college with Outward Bound, all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. But before we jump into the conversation with Claude, I'll go ahead and stop here for a quick plug for our sponsors. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is Claude Silver, the Chief Heart Officer of VaynerX. Before we get into questions with Claude, I'm starting every show by letting our listeners know what we do at Veterans Path and why we're doing this show. And then for this episode in particular, I want to explain why I brought Claude on as a guest. So Veterans Path, we introduce veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of and attendance at our retreats while simultaneously reducing the stigma around seeking mental health support. For why I brought Claude on in particular, I wanted to bring on a hyper-successful person who leads with her heart to show that that can be done in a hyper-successful organization and to show how her heart has led her to really care for the 800-plus people who, in a typical typical corporate structure would work for her, but she says she works for them. So listeners, you may be asking, what does this have to do with mindfulness? Well, a heart full of compassion and love, I would say that has everything to do with mindfulness. So here we go. Welcome to the show, Claude. John, it's great to be here. I'm glad we finally connected. Uh, Me too. I'm, I'm very honored to have you with us today. And And before we get into kind of the details about what the chief heart officer job actually entails and what that is, um, can we go back in time to what started you on your journey and what led you to the point that you are at right now? Absolutely. Uh, I have always, always been a people person. 
I have a just an enormous belief in people and always been one of those rah-rah team captain, um, I root for you type of people. And I think I got that really from my family, but also from athletics and, and being, um, being an athlete in, in school. So, you know, just like we can all do it. We can all, there's possibilities for us all to crush whatever it is we want to crush and beyond. And I excelled in athletics while I did not excel at all in academia <laughs> at all. In fact, I, I, after my sophomore year of college, I took many years off and didn't graduate college until I was 28. And by the way, I wouldn't have even gone back. However, in those days, and that's, you know, back in the, in the 90s, you really needed that, that piece of paper, that degree to get a job anywhere. Right. Which, you know, it's very different now. But so during that time when I didn't, uh, when I wasn't going to school, I really did the school of life. And, and during those times, I was studying a lot of different types of spiritualities and uh, clairvoyancy and just really pushing myself as a human being to figure my you know what out mm -hmm. and as I was doing that I was as I was like looking at my warts and figuring my my stuff out it really brought me closer to the fact that we're all very much the same I mean there's a there's a thread that connects all of us in this human existence and this human experience and what I'm going through you're going through and I don't mean that necessarily today but you will, or I will. We will all have our ups and our downs. We will all grieve. We will all feel extreme joy. And uh, it's really put me on a path to look at this idea of other and othering in the world and to do my best to, to help people have their uniqueness, but decrease people's feeling of loneliness and not fitting in this, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that really, uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time doing that consciously and subconsciously in my day to day, whether or not I'm at this role or whether I'm not, I'm hanging with friends or, you know, it's always, it's always been me. The, uh, I love the, the point where you mentioned about basically having some similarities in that same thread. I actually, last night, I had an, an amazing experience in this, in this military transition program that I'm in called the Honor Foundation, where we had all gone through Simon Sinek's Find Your Why program, and then we all stood up and, and told a defining story about ourselves. And there's about, there's about 60 of us in the class, and we went, about, we went through about half of us last night telling somewhere between six and nine-minute stories. And it was incredible, the vulnerability that people shared up there. And then afterwards, after people shared their vulnerable stories, how much more connected we seemed. Uh, the, it really opened up the humanity of, of everyone in the room. And, and we've been in the cl same class for a couple of weeks now, but this piece of the class was just incredible. And uh, I love that piece where you kind of mentioned that we're all going to go through similar uh, pieces in our lives, but we may not have gone through it yet, but at some point we're going to share some type of uh, similar stories in our, in our lives, some similar experiences. And you, I've seen a video with you explaining your Outward Bound course and how 
you needed to get your ass kicked <laughs> and and then yeah. you're seeing the results um in in a in an opportunity that you had to go and kind of clean up during that outward bound experience uh you saw the results of the earthquake in in san francisco um mm-hmm. was was that kind of the um change that you needed in your life the the ass kicking that you needed to bring you to where you are uh, it was the first, the first. ass kicking <laughs> that I needed, <laughs> uh, but it was extremely profound, extremely profound. I was 19. I had already uh, left college, as I was saying, after my sophomore year, um, and I was going nowhere fast. I was in, just involved in self-destructive behavior, and um, and you know, I just was making some poor choices as. A lot of us do, quite frankly, especially in adolescence. And I knew that there was a window for me where I could take a right turn or a left turn, and the left turn was not going to be pretty. It would have really set me back quite a bit. And so I said to my parents, I need to find the longest outward bound because I need to get my ass kicked, like quote, unquote, (laughs) And wouldn't you know, there was a 93-day wilderness leadership course that was starting in three months. So it gave me some time to, um, you know, start to get in shape a little bit. Although right. I never would have, I mean, the things that we did, even in, in even in the first week, I, I, you know, basically died doing. But <laughs> it um, <laughs> it changed my life in just, I just can't even tell you, in such dramatic ways it 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 made me a stronger human being it made me more self-compassionate it increased my level of empathy it increased my level of love for the natural world i mean you know living basically living in the grand canyon for four weeks rafting and climbing and you know, dealing with, with nature. I mean, you know, you've been in the military and it's, it's you, you deal with what you got, you, know, right. you sleep in a sleeping bag and a tarp, there was no tent. Um, so even when we were climbing the Colorado Rockies and you know, 13, 14, 14,000 foot mountains, like peaks, I should say, um, there's a lot of snow, there's blizzards <laughs> there. And, and you, when your feet get close to being, hypothermic and frostbitten, the only thing to do is put them on someone else's skin, you know, right. that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so it, it was really, it was monumental for me. And I came out feeling so much more comfortable in my own skin as a 19 year old and stronger in my skin. And just my, my mission, my why was much more clear, which was to be of service in any way I could, any way I could. And knowing that I have my strength. So I see, I knew certain ways I could immediately. And then, you know, I, I built other strengths in those many years that have gone by where I can be of service in other ways. And now I just call it joyful service. You know, I, I just want to, I want to, I'm an, I, I'm an emotional optimist. So I want to really, I w- really want to help people uh, do what I did and outward bound and do what I did throughout a lot of my journey, which is having the, the, the courage and the strength to go through, you know, fighting some of your dragons and, 
dragons coming out on the other side. I like that fighting some of your dragons instead of demons. I think that kind of <laughs> makes it yeah. seem a, a little less yeah. uh, ominous. Um, so, so after that experience, um, what happened next? Now you're 19 years old. What did you do after that? Because you, I think you said something about 19 years old and you went back to college at 28. Was that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So after Outward Bound, I ended up moving to London with one of my best friends. So I had like a more of an urban Outward Bound. <laughs> and this is, I, I think it was like 1991. I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, 1990, 1990, I think. And, uh, and I loved living in London because I loved being exposed to other cultures and, and life was different even back then. I mean, 1990 compared to 2020 London is a much different place. Sure. Um, so what I did there was I got back into some bad habits. That's exactly what I did there and <laughs> decided to, decided to get lost for a little bit of time. And that's really the truth. And uh, I just wasn't quite done with, with self-destructing. And finally at 22, I decided to really get it together and, and stop with some of those terrible behaviors that I was, I was doing. So London was amazing and London is a haze in many ways to me too, yeah. to be quite honest. What was it at 22 that yeah. uh, kind of got you set to stop doing those self-destructive habits? The, what, what, what it was is that I, I could easily see that my tombstone would read, Claude had potential. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that to be my tombstone. I, I don't, I don't want that to be my legacy that Claude has potential. <laughs> and that is something that, you know, that really, um, that really shook me out of my stupor for sure. And I think the only, the other thing is like when you are lost in a haze of self-destruction and especially drugs, um, it's very lonely. It's a very, very lonely existence because um, at that time, after you've been doing drugs for a while, it's no longer a party. <laughs> right. It's not a party scene. It's a it's almost a maintenance. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a maintenance. And like, I'm alone with this friend who's, I guess, my friend or maybe my enemy. You know, you never know. So I was done being, I was really done being lonely. I was just done. And, um, and I remember it was right before my 22nd birthday that I went and I told my parents, like, I have a, a you know, a cocaine problem and I took care of it. Just, I just immediately took care of it on my own and How met some amazing that? people. Um, there was a, a cocaine anonymous program in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I lived. And I found it in the phone book. I went through the yellow pages. Wow. And I, I went there the next day. I don't know how I drove there because I was crying so bad. And that was it. And that's not to say like that was it. And I never had any problems ever since, but that was it. And I never picked up drugs again. Oh, that's phenomenal. So yeah, thank you. At, at what point did you start working at, at VaynerMedia and now VaynerX? And, and did you sell the chief heart officer position to Gary B or, or did he sell it to you? Uh, or were you, were you mm -hmm. already working there? 
Yes, I was. So I started with Gary uh, here in New York, May of 2014. So I'm almost six years in. And I was a SVP, a senior vice president on, uh, as a strategist, which I had always been at advertising okay. agencies. I was running a very large Unilever account, like $10 million, $11 million. And I came to him on my year anniversary, um, my year review with him, and I said, thank you very much for this incredible experience. You're the best. This place is the best. I'm just not interested in, in being in advertising anymore. And he said, as he always does, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I only care about people. I only care about the heartbeat of this place. And six months later, I actually resigned. Oh, wow. And he called me for, yeah. He called me four months after I resigned and we had breakfast and he said, that's it. You're coming back. You were going to be the chief heart officer. So he sold me on the role. However, when I had said, I only care about the heartbeat of this place, he and I had called the world of quote unquote HR heart. And so it was very obvious that I was coming back to, to oversee, to work for, to work with all of the heartbeats here. Mm -hmm. all of the people here. And that's what I do. So what were the, what were the guidelines kind of given on that position description? I mean, you, you talked about working with, with hearts. I mean, is there, is there a position description for the chief heart officer? No, there's not. <laughs> I the, love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At that breakfast, I said to him a couple things. One, what are we building here? And he said, we're building the greatest human organization of all time. So that is at least my North Star. And I said, all right, well, how do we know if I'm successful? And he said, you will touch every single human being and deploy empathy across the agency. And that is my job description. Beautiful. Pretty amazing. It, it is. Yeah, pretty and, amazing. And uh, you mentioned, you know, touching the heartbeat of every single person. And I met, I, I read that in, in a Forbes article about you, or you're called the emotional optimist, which you mentioned before, too. As far as touching the heartbeat of every single person in the company, which at the time was 800 plus, I, I'm not sure where it's at now. Um, but how do you do that? How do you manage to, to actually stay in touch with the heartbeat of that many people? Yeah, that's, that's the $10 million question. And that is something that I had to figure out very quickly. I had to figure out how to not only scale Gary, because that's originally how we set this up, but to scale me and now to scale the culture and, and all of that stuff. So a couple of different ways. One, my remit is to touch every single human being. So that means I need to meet with every single employee. And I do that on a 15 minute basis or on a half an hour basis every day, every, every, wow. every day in every office. Yeah. So whether or not I'm, I'm on a Google hangout, like I was early this morning with London or talking to someone in LA later on this afternoon uh, or just bopping around New York, I'm doing it constantly. And it's really just the power of human connection. Right. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's the number one way I do it. My team is amazing, and they're able to scale me, and they're scaling basically what we consider to be the most important things, which are 
self-awareness and emotional intelligence and this idea of being the bigger person. Um, We use technology quite a bit. uh, We've created what I call culture champions. And these are people that I know at any given moment, if someone is having a bad day and I can't get to them or in a different office, I can call upon one of these people and say, hey, you know, Bobby, would you mind taking Sally for a cup of coffee? Or, you know, Jenny, can you take Cindy out for a walk? Or can you just check in with Cindy because I, I have a feeling she's not doing great today. And, uh, and, that's, and that's a big way that we scale. So um, we also work quite a bit interdepartmentally because we, we are an advertising agency. Right. So all, I know that there's good vibes if not completely in the room, in a, in a massive way in, in, a, in a room, you know, and people can snuff out bullies quite, quite easily. And they can also, you know, feel the fact that, you know, someone's really having a hard time. Maybe their grandfather's in the hospital, you know, maybe, maybe they're nervous because they're getting married in a week. Well, that's that's nerve wracking. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's really you know, when we go back to the first question you asked me, which is like, how did I get like this? And if I always, how, how did my story start? Have I always been like this? The answer is yes. And the answer is what I said to you is we're all the same. And that's to me, how you scale culture. If you're coming from a place where there's a common denominator, where everyone understands what our guiding principles are and that we are a yes company, we're not a no company, then I know that you and I have read the same textbook, so to speak, and we know what we're doing here, and we're, we're going to collaborate with each other. We're going to be good, good partners, good people. It's not always peaches and cream, because <laughs> we're dealing with humans. Sure. But, um, you know, I would say it's, it's far more positive than other places I have worked. And that's, that's important. I mean, and you've, you've had a big part in, in making that positive change and, and your culture champions too. I love that. That's, that's huge. And that kind of leads actually into my next question. And as, as you know, I'm, I'm still an active duty uh, Navy SEAL and, and in a warrior mm-hmm. culture like the SEAL teams or, or military writ large, how would you suggest implementing a culture where leaders lead with the heart or light people up uh, or, or even make it socially acceptable to, to uh, be vulnerable in and amongst their, their uh, colleagues? Yeah. I mean, I do think that's another $10 million question because of the work that people that Navy SEALs do or active, uh, active military members are doing, you know, you, you all have made, a remarkable choice to defend our country and to put your lives on the line in some way, shape, or form. And right there, that is an enormous, enormous sign, I think, of strength, courage, and vulnerability, because you don't know what's going to happen, do you? Right. You just don't. It is a, you, you can plan the course, you can plan the mission. And, and I don't speak this language. So forgive me for being so. No, that's fine. You're, you're doing great. But things are always, yeah, 
things are always going to happen. Things are always going to happen that will create some kind of, you know, disturbance in that mission of sorts. Um, and so you have to be incredibly nimble, right? In your, mm-hmm. in your work, you have to be able to turn on a dime and to forget what had just happened. You know, you can't dwell on the past, right? In the work right. that you're doing. Absolutely. And the work that we're doing either. You know, when you dwell on the past, you're just, I mean, you're caught in the, that's it. You're, you're caught. You're literally caught because you can't redo anything. So what I do think is, you know, you were telling me about the last night and, um, and the, uh, the presentations that right. we all did and the enormous amount of vulnerability there. There's something to be said about a high performer, uh, the, the, these traits of a high performer today. And I believe that those quote unquote soft skills, or I like to call them necessary life skills, vulnerability being one of those mm-hmm. are traits of high performers now. And that's how I actually translate the question that you asked me, you know, reminding people that for here, especially at this place, and I, you know, I would hope the military in some way, shape or form, understanding self-awareness and who you are and why you act the way you act and what your triggers are is an enormous strength. And with that strength, being able to look at yourself takes a lot of vulnerability. I would think that people would want to have their strengths very close by in their tool belt when they are going out on missions, just like you want to, you know, at a working triage in a hospital, you got to know your stuff, right? Because things are coming at you so quickly. So I equate how you ask that question. I equate it with high performing traits, high performing traits, which are, self-awareness today. It is everything that encompasses EQ. And, uh, and it's dope. I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> right? the, alternative, <laughs> yeah. the alternative is just, you just shut yourself out of society. No, no, thank you. I think it's just the, uh, the trouble in getting that message across in a warrior culture. But I mean, ancient warriors practiced a lot of this, and, and I think we, we mm-hmm. as a modern warrior culture, just need to realize that there are high-performance um, opportunities there, and we actually benefit from, from it. So going back to that, that Forbes article, um, in that same article, it mentions you taking care of the needs of all the people there at VaynerX um, in, in getting them the support for mental health and even meditation, and that's a big piece of what we do with, with Veterans Path is teaching meditation and mindfulness. What does mm-hmm. VaynerMedia or VaynerX offer in terms of mental health support, and how is meditation offered? So this is a great question and extremely timely, extremely timely, uh, because everyone really is looking towards mental health and mindfulness and as i just talked about self-awareness which i think is all part of this package absolutely it um, is. understanding yeah understanding where you might need assistance coaching um ch- a check-in with a, uh, a therapist those types of things so we we have uh, an incredible uh, 
floor here, which is the, the staff, which is really made up of about, at this point, 80% millennials. And what we know is that millennials are very, very vocal about their needs, their wants, their, their wishes, what they, what they desire to be the best them that they can be. And they started to bring up this desire to have um, access to coaching, access to meditation rooms, nice wellness rooms, quiet rooms, and access to therapists. Now, everyone has access to insurance so they can find therapists. However, what we started to do, um, and of course, we can't we can't suggest or recommend anyone to you when it comes to mental health. That's not our job. Right. However, we have a list of people in various zip codes around the city and, and close by New Jersey that we hand to people based on, they say to me, Hey, I'd like something five to 10 minute walk from work. Well, here's the list and you can go check it out. Nice. You know, um, we, yeah, we have, uh, as I said, we have a meditation room where people check out a key and they take time out for themselves. We have access to apps such as Calm, uh, which is, you know, the, the meditation app, which right. is amazing. Yes. And we also have been partnering with a coaching company called Guided, uh, guided.io. And we brought in coaching as a benefit. And I believe coaching is a part of mental health because you are, again, examining yourself. And that is what mental health is, right? Getting mm -hmm. yourself to a place of health and wellness. Definitely. So we're big proponents of all of these, you know, everything you can. I mean, we even, we, we take care of fitness here. We have um, someone come in and do uh, much more than just body fat. They look at everything once a week, once a month um, and helps track, you know, track your your goals mm -hmm. um, throughout the month that this guy comes over. He was, uh, he was on the uh, biggest loser, the show. Oh yeah. Cool. In. Yeah. So yeah. Now have you guys We're into it. We're really seen, into it. Uh, that's great. I, I love that you guys are, and did, well, I guess I've got a couple questions here. Did that exist before you were the CHO there? Uh, no, it didn't. And, and also I don't think there was, a large outcry for it, or at least I didn't hear it because I wasn't in that role. So, oh yeah, and I guess you mentioned uh, that the millennials yeah. are are more they they voice that need quite uh, quite more openly than than some of the past generations have, which is a good thing. I think it's important that they're voicing that. So, and and then ha I since agree. you have implemented those those mental health um, support aspects. Have you guys seen improvement with your workforce? Yeah, I can say that we've seen, again, I, I'm, I'm, built, I'm, I'm beating the drum, I get it. Um, uh, but we've seen people that, that appear to be, um, I'm going to use the, the word self-aware again, but I would say calmer and and that doesn't mean that they don't lack spunk or speed or hustle or any of those things, fill in the blank. But uh -huh. I definitely have noticed a decrease in overall anxiety. That's huge. In about it. Yeah. In about a year. I, 
you know, maybe 18 months, but I would say more of a year. And that's, that's a very blanket statement. That's basically based on me talking to all of the people I talk to day to day. Um, and also, I think because people know, like, they come to us, they come to my department, and they will get access to the assistance that they might need by just asking the right questions, you know? Right. Well, I'd say that's definitely not a blanket statement. I mean, by virtue of your position and the fact that you are, in fact, meeting with every single person in the organization and you have a a finger on that pulse, uh, I would say that's much more than anecdotal. I would say you, you know that it has, in fact, had a positive effect. So that's that's outstanding. As far as you personally, uh, have you ever practiced meditation and mindfulness? I have in various times in my life. So way back when I was saying after I um, uh, dropped out of school and got my stuff to, you know, my, my act together, when I really dove into exploring different spiritualities and clairvoyancy and chakra healing, me- meditation was an enormous part of that. Uh, and this was up in Northern California in San Francisco in the mid to late 90s. So, you know, that was something that was very big then, in San sure. Francisco and the Bay Area being a, a place where people kind of gravitate towards that. So that's when I first got into meditating. It was very difficult. It still remains to be a challenge for me. Um, but I do, I do reap the benefits when I do it. And it could be three minutes. And it could be 10 minutes. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy. Now, I, I do use a, an app in the nighttime. And it's something that's really helpful for me. And it you know, guides you through breathing, breathing exercises. And it's, it's a great way to just finish my day. You know? oh, and if I did it now, yeah, like after this call, if I did it for even three minutes, it would be... It would be so, um, God, it would just, uh, helpful is not the word. It would just, just a good shot in the arm. Yeah, it resets so Maybe you. I will. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you yeah. go. I'll yeah. be sure to give you some time yeah. in, between, in between here and your next meeting so that you can do that. Um, and, and I know you have uh, a little one at home, you guys. I've got, uh, I've got two little ones, and I've started teaching this to them as well. Well, more my three-year-old than my one-year-old, but... My three-year-old, we have a book called Sitting Still Like a Frog, and it's got some of these activities in there. And I find that as I'm uh, running her through these mindfulness drills, I actually benefit from it <laughs> just as much as she is. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, the, uh, the benefits that you kind of get from, uh, from teaching your little ones. So, yeah. um, I can't well, wait to do that with, uh, with our little daughter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How old is she? She's only 16 months. 16 months, yeah. My, uh, my yeah, son just one. turned one, so uh, they're about in the same phase. So my, my son is um, growing, up, growing up a little bit slower than my daughter. I think, uh, I think that must just be a, a male versus female thing in that <laughs> he is, uh, he's a little <laughs> bit slower than she is. He, he's definitely not, um, he's not dumb or anything. He's just not at, uh, progressing as fast as she is. And, um, she's picking it up mm-hmm. now that as a, as a three-year-old, she's picking up a lot of what we're teaching. So anyhow, uh, nice. well, Claude, this has been awesome. Uh, as we're starting to get to the end of the show, what have we not covered that you'd like to make sure we talk about or that the audience hears? Um, 
Uh, I, I think, I mean, I love the conversation and I really, I really think the, the things that are really important to me to talk about is to remind everyone, including myself, that we have an enormous legacy for, for this, this generation, the next generation, and the next generation. And, and our legacy is really everyone we meet, every single person we talk to, we touch, we are leaving a, a fingerprint, a heartprint on them. And it, it just goes back to my favorite quote by Maya Angelou, which says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Hmm. And for me, that is everything. That's so true. And so remembering, yeah, remembering the enormous amount of power that we have as individuals to see someone in their best light, see someone with possibility, be curious about them before you, you hop into subjective judgment. Remember that every single person out there starts their day in a different way than you do. And let's be empathetic to that and, and mindful of we'll never know what they're going on, going on in their, in their shoes. So let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and let's be kind. Amen. Well, Claude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're an extremely busy person and I know you've got to run here shortly. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability. And I know people love working with you at VaynerMedia and they're blessed to have you as their chief heart officer. And I am, again, very honored to have you with us today. So thank you very much. John, thank you so much. Have an awesome day. Absolutely. And, and I owe a quick shout out to Rich Cardona for introducing us and Grace Lee for suggesting yeah. the idea that I reach out to you. So thanks, Grace and Rich. And thank you all. Uh, have a blessed day and we'll catch up later. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority improving and saving lives. 